0: Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for July 22. My name is John Mason. It's great you could join us. Today we begin with Psalm 1, followed by a prayer of thanksgiving. Further prayers drawn from an Australian prayer book, 1978, will be led by Andrew Pearson. Catherine Jacob will then bring us a reading from the New Revised Standard Version, and my reflection on the theme, Deceivers in a Troubled World, will follow. Andrew is the Dean, Senior Minister of the Cathedral Church of the Advent, Birmingham, Alabama, and Catherine is a member of the ministry team there. Music is also from the Cathedral, under the direction of Dr. Frederick Tierdu and Zachary Hicks. Let me now read the opening lines of Psalm 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law they meditate day and night. They're like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all they do, they prosper. We often forget to thank God for all His goodness, so let me pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, Your unworthy servants, give humble and hearty thanks for all your goodness and loving-kindness to us and to all people. We bless you for our creation, preservation and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your amazing love in the redemption of the world through our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us that due sense of all your mercies, so that our hearts may be truly thankful and, and that we may declare your praise not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service, and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory, now and forever. Amen.
1: A prayer for all in authority. Almighty God, the fountain of all goodness, we humbly pray you to bless all who hold positions of authority and public office in every land, so that all things, especially in these uncertain times, may be ordered in wisdom, righteousness, and peace, to the honor of your holy name and the good of your church and people, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A prayer for everyone in need. O God, creator and preserver of all people, we humbly pray for all sorts and conditions of men and women, that you would be pleased to make your way known to them, your saving power among all nations. Especially we pray for the welfare of your church, that we all may be guided and governed by your good spirit, so that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth and hold the faith in unity of spirit, in the bond of peace, and in righteousness of life. We commend to your fatherly goodness all who are in any way afflicted or distressed with any kind of sickness or sorrow, anxiety or need. Especially we pray for family, friends, those who are known to us, Lord, we particularly pray for your comfort for those who are grieved by the loss of loved ones at this time. We pray for the ongoing research into a vaccine and cure for COVID-19. We also pray for the many who are out of work, give wisdom and compassion to leaders, enabling them to facilitate an effective economic recovery and so provide opportunity for work for everyone. Lord, we also pray for those who are in physical, mental, or emotional danger at this time. Father, may it please you to comfort and relieve them according to their needs, giving them patience in their sufferings and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. All this we ask for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A prayer for peace. God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all people and banish from them the spirit that makes for conflict so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one family and in obedience to your laws. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.
2: A reading from Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him who is the head of every ruler and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Years ago, I met an academic from China who told me that when on June 4, 1989, the People's Army turned on the pro-democracy movement in Tiananmen Square, Marxism and Maoism within him died. He said he knew then that if there was such a thing as truth, it must come from outside human invention, from God, if he exists. That night he went home and read from cover to cover a book he'd been given many years before. It was a New Testament. Reading it through at least twice that night, he realized that here was a book that was beyond human imagining. I introduce this conversation because many today are being swept along by the tide of current opinion that denies the existence of God. Indeed, occasionally someone says to me, I don't know what to believe. It's difficult to work out what's true and what's not. And while this kind of comment is often true for the non-churchgoer, it can also be true for God's people. In troubled times, we may be tempted to allow our sure faith in Christ to be subverted. We may be tempted to doubt the substantial truth of God's gospel we may be tempted to so focus our faith on important issues of human equality, for example, yes, they are important, but lose sight of a prior, vital love for God and for the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the extreme, we may be so attracted by the voices of the new faith of atheism that we come to deny the reality and the significance of Jesus Christ and the true freedoms that he brings. So come with me to Paul's words we've just heard from Colossians chapter 2. See to it that no one makes a prey of you by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. Paul was convinced that God's people in Colossae were in danger of losing the freedom they had found through their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were vulnerable to being carried away by an empty philosophy that was being persuasively marketed. The framers of these subversive ideas don't seem to have been promoting an immoral life. Rather, they were promoting a worldview that distorted or subverted the truth of God's gospel, and faith in the Lord Jesus. Now it's fair to say that Paul is not against philosophy in its simple meaning of a love for knowledge and truth. But his language here, of philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, speaks of philosophy that has its source in human reasoning. For Paul, God's gospel was supernaturally revealed, in the context of God's acts in history. We can only come to understand the significance of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ because God has revealed it and interpreted it for us. Yes, we need to use our minds to understand God's revelation in Christ, but our starting point is with His self-revelation found in the Scriptures. Consider what Paul goes on to write, For in Christ the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. God's people in Colossae needed to refocus their thinking on Jesus Christ. They needed to ask again, Who is He? What does He mean for us? Paul says again what he has said in the previous chapter, Christ is truly God and truly man. While many find this hard to believe, the evidence is there that Jesus is a man who is also truly God. Think of the miracles he performed, his ability to control nature, to heal the sick, to feed thousands, and his ability to raise even the dead to life. The kinds of things that we only associate with the supernatural. But his actions also reveal the compassion of a merciful God. Now Jesus didn't do these things because he was a man of great faith. Rather, he did them because he was both 100% God and 100% man. Philosophers in other religions may say that he was a great teacher or a prophet, but they don't agree that he is God in the flesh. Yet if the fullness of God lives in Jesus, if Jesus is truly divinity who walked among us, then He is the source of truth. Paul is not simply repeating what he has said about Jesus Christ in the previous chapter. Here he is telling us that in Jesus Christ we find the very essence of God. To know Jesus is to know God. And notice, Jesus Christ doesn't simply reveal a God of power and might, but one whose very nature is to show mercy. This is so important for us to know. Think of it this way. We say that God is love, but love is a relationship word. To say God is love is meaningless unless God has someone throughout eternity to love. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity wrote, Love is something that one person has for another person. If God was a single person, then before the world was made, He was not love. The very existence of the eternal Son of God who has taken on human form that Paul tells us about in Colossians assures us that God is personal and because His central nature is to love, He is also compassionate and merciful. Here is the God worth knowing. The God whose nature is not just power and majesty, but love and mercy. Don't be deceived. In John chapter 1, we read that John is telling us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. And he goes on, And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. So let me repeat the words of Psalm 1. Happy are those whose delight is in the law, that is, the revelation of the Lord. Let me pray. Almighty God, the protector of all who put their trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply your mercy upon us, so that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal that we finally lose not the things eternal. Grant this, Heavenly Father, for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Before I close, if you have a question or a comment, please respond via our website